Hello. What is up, everyone? Uh, I'm Jesse HS. This is the Heart Guide Media Podcast. We've uh, we've been on uh, yet another hiatus um, while trying to manage another podcast um, as well as this one. This one um, tended to uh, get away from me. Not something I planned uh, or meant to happen. It just kind of happened. Um, but we are back. Here is an episode. So enjoy. Um, so anyone that does follow or listen to this podcast, obviously you haven't heard this podcast or my, uh, illustrious voice in, uh, a few months. Um, I'm making a concerted effort to change that officially, um, and have, uh, an episode a week. And, uh, I, I felt compelled to now, honestly, I haven't been totally moved to really record anything uh as of recent i think the last episode we did we reviewed the no that wasn't the last episode we did we did review um the remake the reboot of the 1989 adaptation of pet cemetery that came out earlier this year and um but and then we did um we talked about physical media on uh, a two-part episode, one I did with some friends over at the Friendship Snake podcast, and as well as having Lewis Smith on, and we talked uh, physical media, everything, uh, you know, owning movies, uh, owning physical copies of music, and just dived into all that, and those are fun episodes, so I suggest you um, check those out if you haven't, and uh, enjoy this episode. Um, So around this time, you know, we are now uh, in the first week of August, and it seemed appropriate to kind of delve in and discuss um, uh, the horror movies in general. And that's what the basis of this podcast, we do talk genre film. We will occasionally talk action films or, or even, you know, 80s comedies, you know, some low budget stuff. And we also get into all kinds of music and things like that. And I, I, I think part of me wants to truly make it uh, a genre movie podcast. Um, but then I'm so torn because, you know, half of my passion being music, half of my passion being, um, uh, an enthusiast of film. It's, it's so hard to like negate one without the other. And obviously they, they intertwine, um, quite a bit, uh, always, uh, especially in my life. Um, I'm sure in some listeners lives as well. So it's always hard to, um, to balance the two because, uh, you know, I think we went on like the longest stretch. I don't even know seven months or something like that. And we didn't touch on like a music podcast. Maybe it wasn't that long. Maybe it was only like three or four months, but it, it seemed that long. Um, but, uh, around this time, you know, we are now in August and, and August is, is kind of a sore spot for around this time, you know, end of July, uh, into August seems, um, like, uh, some things way heavy, at least as a horror fan. I mean, two years ago, we lost George Romero at towards the, you know, end of the middle or end of, uh, July. And then I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's been five years since we lost, um, or four years, excuse me, since we lost, uh, Wes Craven, uh, passing away at the end of, uh, August. And obviously Toby Hooper passing, um, two years ago. And I, Honestly, I think the the one-two punch 
that made me push to get this podcast to, you know, to really explore this podcast as a true endeavor was the passing of George two summers ago. And then, you know, just a month and a week or so later, then Toby Hooper died. Um, and that really pushed, um, that really pushed me to want to do this and want to talk to my friends and just for my friends and I to get our feelings and our uh, thoughts of, of the genre of horror and and outside of horror um, out because we are such uh, movie fans, we are such uh, film fans, especially of the genre type. And it um, it seemed just so appropriate. And of course, our first two episodes, the first being a tribute to George Romero and then the the second, uh, you know, a tribute and a, a full discussion about uh, Toby Hooper. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, goes to show you that those those losses that, you know, we endured as a, a horror community, uh, you know, kind of pushed to make this podcast finally happen uh, almost two years ago now. Um, and it, uh, it seemed so appropriate at the time to do, and there was just so much to talk about. You know, there's still so much to talk about. We have only, you know, tippy-toed into all the things that this podcast could and should be talking about. Um, but it's also hard when I do it by myself and obviously um, friends' hectic schedules. It's hard to actually sit down and have a conversation with a friend um, sometimes. Uh, and, and when you do, you just want to talk about like stuff. I don't want to have a list of stuff that we have to you know discuss and I hold on, let's record this. Um, type thing, because that's really what it was. We had these conversations for years and years and years and years on end, uh, constantly, you know, giving each other lists and what's this, what's that, do you like this better? And it, it's just never ending. And it's just part of our uh, friendship. It's what binds us. Um, and, you know, and then finally, one day, we're like, oh, well, why aren't we hitting record? And, uh, you know, cue the podcast. So, uh, but around this time, it just seems, uh, you know, the more and more I was thinking about it, I was like, I need to record this. I feel that same inspiration that I had when this uh, podcast initially, um, you know, was unveiled and uh, I was pushed to uh, actually do it. Uh, you know, we, I think we disregard that we were so blessed with, because obviously the beginning of North American horror true North American horror was the Universal Monster movies. And obviously you had Nosferatu in 1922, silent film, um, and that laid a lot of groundwork. And we had so many literary elements that had created horror before that. Obviously, the most notable, which was adapted into a Universal Monster movie, was Dracula. Bram Stoker's, uh, you know, 1897, uh, the book was published, and it's still one of the great classic literary works of of all time and uh you know that speaks to you know fictional horror um and it existed so long ago before all of us and it and still exists today in different forms um many different forms and different uh and and different just uh types of horror and the genre but it just seemed to, like I said, it was pushed to this point to actually record something now. Um, 
because I, I, you know, I'm starting to feel, you know, why we don't have Wes Craven anymore. We don't have, uh, Toby Hooper or George Romero. You know, we really, uh, of the big four, we have John Carpenter left. Uh, Thank God we have John Carpenter left. And it seems, um, I think people forget that we lived through a golden age. Um, you know, I was born in the late 80s, so I wasn't in the theaters in the 1980s. But, you know, my parents were pretty much um, like Canada. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, if any listeners out there are fans of How I Met Your Mother, they talk about how Canada is behind the times. So in the 90s, it was still the 80s type thing. And that's how I felt like my household was because... I discovered so many 80s movies in the early 90s and in the mid 90s that and my parents just didn't change, you know, the layout of the house from 1985. So everything still looked and felt like the 80s. And uh, and that was a special time watching VHS tapes and and discovering all these 80s movies when they weren't so old at that point. You know, they're they're six, seven years old. Max, a lot of these classics, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the 13th. Those series, uh, the Halloween series, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, both the original from 74, the, the, the sequel from 1986. Uh, there's just so, we were just so blessed with such a time. And it, it makes me realize that we did, like myself and friends, lived through a, you know, a Universal Monsters period. We had, you know, it was they, the Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Uh, Leatherface, uh, even Chucky, um, we, and Michael Myers, of course, um, they were our famous monsters. They were our Dracula, our Wolfman, our mummy. And, uh, you know, I start thinking about those films, um, and how compatible they are to the, the films that are our monsters from the 19, you know, 70s, 80s and, and 90s and what, how compatible they truly are. And you think, uh, and we were so blessed with uh, Triple Entente of being so aware of the directors of these films. Obviously, John Carpenter's Halloween, Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, Sean Cunningham with his entire input into the uh, the creation of Friday the 13th. And, uh, and Toby Hooper, obviously, creating Texas Chainsaw Massacre, George Romero in 1968, literally creating what we know as the modern zombie. I mean, that says uh, a lot. You know, George Romero created created what we know to be a zombie today. And, and to, Toby Hooper created Leatherface, created, you know, when someone says che- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, they say Chainsaw, you know, they say Leatherface, you know what they're talking about. Um you know, and obviously Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, uh, you know, famous faces within horror. You know, if there was a horror in Mount Rushmore, I mean, Bela Lugosi is going to be on there, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney, you know, that's of the, the older, the older set of those, that time period of horror. But if there was a ultimate, penultimate, horror around Mount Rushmore um and with as big as horror was in the 1980s um and even you know towards the end of the 70s when it's picked up and George Romero laid the groundwork for horror in 1968 and then Toby Hooper laying groundwork in 1974 with Texas Chainsaw Massacre it 
you know, it, you, the horror Mount Rushmore, my horror Mount Rushmore, how, how could you say it's not Freddy, Jason, Leatherface, Michael Myers, and, and you know, in George, I think, being even a cut above creating a specific monster created an entire, an entity that is the modern zombie, and that is just, I mean, you can't really, how, I mean, it says everything right there. And uh, we were so blessed to know the directors, too. Like, um, not a lot of people can name off, you know, directors of those classic horror movies. Um, and, uh, which is, I mean, film was such, it was still in its infancy. Um, and you're talking about making, you know, horror films. It's even more, uh I don't want to say taboo, but it seemed more taboo even then than it, you know, it, it was, um, and still is, it's still looked at as a stepchild, uh, genre, unfortunately, but, and I know this is sounding like I'm rambling and bambling, but I, I had to get these, uh, these feelings and these thoughts out, but we were so blessed to be associated with, a, with directors that we knew by name and later we knew by face, um, and that says uh, that says so much about them, you know. And you you got a Jack Pierce who did the makeup effects on Dracula, who did the makeup effects on the Wolfman, did the makeup effects on the Mummy. All these classic Universal monster movies, you know. Jack Pierce, Tom Savini is our Jack Pierce. You know, Tom Savini doing the special makeup effects on Dawn of the Dead, on Maniac, you know, uh, on on. Jason Voorhees, uh, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's our Jack Pierce and he is so recognizable the name. And if, if you're deep into the horror and I feel like people that aren't even that deep into the horror genre know who Tom Savini, or at least they are, they're familiar with the name when they hear the name, you know, he is the original splatterpunk, you know, and we're blessed with several uh, people of his caliber, uh, of that caliber, you know, Rick Baker, obviously maybe the greatest werewolf makeup effects, uh, we've ever had in American Werewolf in London, but also getting something that duels with it left and right are the makeup effects in the howling that Rob Bottin did. And then, you know, it's just, there's so many and Greg Nicotero, obviously, and with the cane, Howard Berger, and uh, Robert Kirkman, uh, you know, these amazing life, you know, they brought those movies to life. We were, I mean, the 80s were just such a special time for makeup effects and for, for horror makeup effects. Um, there was just so much amazing stuff being done. And we have uh, all these makeup effects artists to revere their work. And, you know, we appreciate everything that they've done. And we can admire all this amazing stuff that was done during, you know, the heyday of horror, the 1980s. And uh, it's it's so special. And on top of that, you know, being so familiarized and getting hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of commentaries and interviews and all these special features when DVDs really took off. And there were so many special features on one DVD disc and now there's Blu-ray three, four, five disc things coming out with hours and hours and hours of special features and things we never knew. And, you know, I could, and I made, I made a post on my, uh, personal, my soul, um, social media account, which is an, an Instagram, uh, talking about what Wes, 
you know, that I could listen to Wes Craven talk so, you know, elegantly about uh, film and just his life and how he related his films from his life to the screen. And I just, uh, you know, I can't get enough of hearing, you know, the Wes Cravens, the John Carpenters, the George Romero's, the Toby Hoopers. These guys are, you know, they're all past now except for John Carpenter. And, you know, we're not getting new footage. It's all going to be archival now that we're digging up. But with uh, Wes's birthday happening just two days ago, uh, he would have been 80. And I've just been revisiting interviews that I've heard a, a million times over since, uh, you know, I was old enough to get on the internet or, you know, uh, have my own computer or search it out in school and watch, uh, you know, just videos. I, I want to hear Wes Craven talk. I want to, I want to just hear it over and over again because it inspires me to, I, I don't want to say do something with my life. Um, I know, I think everyone has that internal struggle of trying to find their niche in life. Like, what are you doing? Are you doing something for yourself or someone else? Are you, are you pr- prospering in your life in one form or another? And I think everyone battles that, um, especially my age, uh, you know, being 31. I think everyone, and I'm giving you a little information on myself. If you haven't listened to this podcast, you're familiarizing yourself a little bit with the, 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 the oddball voice that you're hearing. So, um, everyone has that internal struggle, I think. Um, but it, it humanizes all their work and all their accomplishments. When you hear Wes Craven say, you know, I went to New York, I tried to make it happen. It didn't work out. I had to go back upstate New York, um, to my wife and family and had to, after trying to, you know, go to New York and make it happen. It didn't happen. I had to come back. I had to be a high school teacher from coming back from being, you know, I was a college professor and now I'm a high school teacher because I couldn't get it done. And he said, you know, I'm going to give it one last shot. Goes back down there. Then it happens. And he was driving a cab while he was there. And that's something I, I think I lose, um, with current day directors. I feel like a lot of newer directors, not all, but a lot of them, I feel like uh, put themselves a little bit on a pedestal and I hear them complain just a little bit too much. You know, directors that have had, you know, been attended this Masters of, these Masters of Horror dinners that Mick Garris has and formed, you know, the Masters of Horror show, which was, you know, his, his brainchild. And he got that off, its, uh, off the ground and running and, and had all these amazing horror directors direct these things. And you get these younger directors, and I'm not saying all of them. There's a, a few that I've heard talk, and they've been at these Masters of Horror dinners. They've talked, and they've become, you know, comrades with these legends in, that I revere. And and then hear them complain about financials and things like that. And, and then, you know, following them and respecting their work and loving the work that they do, that these newer horror directors do. And when I say newer, they've probably been doing, you know, they've been doing it for 15 uh, years or more. And um, hear them complain about finances and pirating. And, and I understand the pirating thing, but also I own all their movies. Like, so at what point, like, I mean, I buy your movies, I go to see them, I, you know, when you do live events, I try to attend them for screenings or conversations, I'll meet you at a convention, pay you there, 
So I feel like, you know, the the good fan kind of still has to hear the brunt of the complaining about it. And I, you just never heard George Romero, who dealt with financial issues and woes his entire career. You He just kind of, yeah, that's kind of how it is. And it sucks. And, and that's what it is. And he just had an elegance about him. You never heard him complain. And the same with Wes. You heard Wes kind of complain about certain things that he had to deal with. But it was never about, it was never a woe is me ever. And I don't think I've heard John Carpenter ever speak that way and certainly not Toby Hooper. So I think it's just a completely different time period and such a golden age of of these men that did it and didn't expect all this, you know, they didn't expect to be constantly patted on the back cuz a lot of the time they weren't. A lot of the time all their hard all their hard hardships and struggles were Vastly underappreciated, uh, at least not, not until, you know, people like me who were born in the late 80s finally said, hey, like, oh my God, like, this is, you know, this is me. Like, you know, I watch Pumpkinhead. I love Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead is me. You know, oh, Stan Winston. Oh my God. Look into Stan Winston. Oh my God. He's one of the most revered makeup effects artists of all time. You know, and and from there, it grows from movie to movie, from movie to movie. And it probably wasn't until I knew I loved horror movies. I knew I was obsessed with horror movies, but it was just kind of like, it was like having arms. Like it was just a part of me. I didn't like go out and have to say like, I'm a horror movie fan. Like I wear a horror movie t-shirt. I have a horror movie tattoo, things like that. I didn't, I'd never even thought consciously about any of that stuff. It was just an extended part of myself. I never had to. I never felt like I was waving a flag. I mean, we all are. Anybody who's a true fan of the genre and its and its uh, respective subgenres, that we are flag bearers. We are we are flag wavers. We are people who champion this the ideas of these genre films. Um, but I didn't. I never felt like I was. Um, it was never intentional. Is what I'm trying to say. It was never something where like. And it's and it's still not like I you know I think I went to the Joe Bob Briggs um, how hippies uh, or hippies wow not hippies um, how uh, Texans you know saved Hollywood a speaking uh, like little exhibit where he showed clips of films and ex- explained the southern roots of America which was fascinating and if he does more of them I implore any and all of you to go check that out because it's very entertaining and and way more informative than I was ever expecting and it was amazing but you know he I wore a a demon wind shirt that Paul Bear Press great company paulbearpress.com check them out um I wore a demon wind shirt because I love demon demon wind I used to rent it from the tiny little gas station because the gas station down the road from me I lived in the outskirts of a smaller town had VHS rentals and I rented it there and fell in love with the movie and it's like a really a really low budget film and people would watch it and be like wow that was a piece of flaming hot dog shit but it it you know it was entertaining and it's nostalgia and I still love that movie now there's a blu-ray release of it like I said these the the day and age we live in where there's a blu-ray release with hours of special features of Demon Wind is amazing and someone made a Demon Wind shirt and I think it was in part and parcel with Vinegar Syndrome, another great company. Check them out um, that make movies. 
um, you know, uh, Blu-rays. And uh, I wore that shirt to the Joe Bob Briggs uh, show. And someone's like, oh, my God, that shirt's amazing. And I didn't think about it. You know, I didn't think, like, I'm going to wear a Demon Wind shirt because maybe someone's going to be like, holy shit, a Demon Wind shirt. And I know there's some people out there that do that. But I never think consciously like that. Everything that I do, it's because I, I, I don't, like, consciously think, like, I need to do this because I need to be, appear this certain way. And I feel like appearing a certain way, especially in the horror genre and the horror community, is one thing. I feel like everyone, you know, I'm going to wear this and I'm going to get a compliment and blah, 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 blah. But then you're stretching into how people are in general. And it can't be generalized into it it can't be uh you know um not generalized but uh it can't be segregated to just the horror community that is with everything you know everyone's trying to be noticed everyone has a, a their own uh personal instagram account and twitter account facebook account because they want to post their thoughts because their thoughts are so important that everyone needs to hear them but anyway going on a tirade here but that's what this podcast really truly is so if you can get engaged in what i'm saying here uh, feel free to reach out, and if you really feel passionate about something that I'm talking about, I'm going to have a conversation with anybody, anybody who's a listener. You don't even have to be a friend of mine or a friend of the sh- a friend of you know the podcast. I just want to hear you. I want to hear and engage with other walks of life, which is can be difficult because I'm I can be hermitish, um, won't deny that, but it's just. Uh, yeah, this is me venting about how I feel like we aren't aren't as appreciative as we should be. At least some people aren't appreciative of what you have. You know, if I was at Masters of Horror Dinners and all this stuff, and I got to share a meal or even, you know, a really in-depth conversation. Don't get me wrong, I've had some cool conversations with some very cool cats. And and as a, anybody who has went to a horror convention has, you know, I had a something I'll always revere is having a, probably a fifteen minute conversation with Gunnar Hansen, and I think I was one of the first people, uh, me, uh, Sean, who's appeared on the show, and Brian BT, who's appeared on the show, went to a, a horror convention, and it was our first one. We all went together, and Gunnar Hansen was there, and this is you know more than ten years ago. And we had a great conversation with him and and we were just, you know, I was asking him questions and he was so like enthused and gave, truly gave me the time of day, gave me 15 minutes just sitting there talking to me while his line's just building. And, uh, he was just on the fan level. He didn't try to act like, well, I'm Leatherface. I am the, I am a famous fucking monster from the seventies and eighties and I was in Mosquito, and I was, I'm the original Leatherface. It wasn't that. It, it was never that uh, vibe at all. And I feel like there are some people that walk around and they try to act like they're genuine, but they're really not. And they're, you know, these younger directors that aren't, that aren't, you know, as revered as these guys. And I think that they kind of feel gypped which I don't blame them. I would probably be a little jaded too. But I also wouldn't be complaining if I've sat at Masters of Horror Dinners and been able to make films and have Kane Hodder in my films and work with, you know, Daniel Harris and Robert England and all these, you know, you know, people, you know, that 
West, you know, West Craven. He never just, he, they all just seemed on the level. As big as Wes Craven was, the Scream series, revitalizing the, the genre. You know, Toby Hooper, who, you know, leather, he created, you know, what was to be, you know, one of the most recognizable characters. That was, you know, the the basis for that is all within his brain. And, and you know, it's, and George, like I said, creating the modern zombie. It's, uh, they always seemed on the level. I met George Romero twice. Always seemed on the level of a human. It wasn't, I'm a famous horror director, you're a fan. It was more like, I've made some movies, you like them, I'm super appreciative of that, and we're all fans. Proof to that, BT, Brian, who appears on this podcast, brother to ET, Eric, all the, you know, these are all my closest friends. Um, we meet George Romero. He compliments Brian on his opera shirt, his Dario Argento opera shirt, and they talk about how the movie was shot. That is a, a real humanistic, humble person. He didn't, you know, big time him. And, you know, on the contrary, Brian meets uh, Malcolm McDowell at a few conventions later. And Malcolm McDowell doesn't look up at him, signs it, and pushes it back across the table and doesn't look at him whatsoever and is carrying a conversation on with someone else. He's an actor, though, so he isn't a director. I think directors seem, most of the time, a little more humble than actors. And I know Malcolm McDowell's been in a bunch of different stuff, and he's obviously a huge name. But, I mean, that that stung us all when we saw that and heard about it. It was just like, really? But anyway, I digress. Talking about, you know everything here. Like I said, I think more than anything, it's an appreciation for how genuine Wes Craven was, how genuine George Romero was, how genuine John Carpenter was. And I met John Carpenter at his live event uh, a year and a half ago. And, you know, you had, they had to push people along because, you know, he had a hundred meet and greets. So it was, you know, sit down, shake his hand. Hey, John, you signed this. Yep. Yep. You know, thanks. Uh, and that's pretty much all it was, but, you know, I said, uh, you know, hey, John, uh, big fan, really appreciate uh, you doing this, looking forward to it, uh, thank you. And he said, hey, pleasure's all mine, thank you, man. And that's all you got to do, is just, you know, have that humility. And I think it's missing around the world. It's not just missing within the horror community, but obviously we're going to talk about the horror and film community and all that stuff here. Um. But like I said, and Toby Hooper, who just seemed like, you know, one of the one of the nicest uh, Southern gentlemen you'd ever want to meet as well. Unfortunately, didn't get to meet him, didn't get to meet Wes. Um, and they've both passed on now. And, and that really, uh, they really, it does hurt thinking about it. It sucks. But we have so much to remember all those guys by. So if there's anything you take away from this, uh, this episode, it's uh, be humble. Don't. And, and, you know, I have a running joke with all my friends that where I have this arrogant, this half serious cockiness, you know, um, but it's all in good fun. I'm not, tr- I'm truly, uh, I have nothing to be humble about. Like I just have this fucking, you know, F rated, uh, you know, F list podcast, uh, you know, I, I got nothing that I need to be humble about, but uh, I would never, uh, I always want to stay on the level of everyone else, like, because I've, I've had, you know, I've been in bands and things like that, and 
and I've seen people, you know, bands that were, I was in a small, a small regional band, very small. Um, and we played a lot in the, in the Northeast, mainly in the upstate New York and, you know, Southern New York, uh, regions and stuff. But it's, uh, it's funny that, you know, bands that were even smaller than us would show up with, you know, tour laminates and they're playing three shows. You got a tour laminate. You're playing three shows and you've made your a tour laminate because you're playing a weekend of shows. That was, that's the kind of people you deal with. And not just in the horror community. Obviously, that's the music community, the heavy music community, the hardcore, the metal music community. You're playing three shows. You got a tour laminate. Enough said. That's just that's what, that's the kind of people you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I'd like to think that anybody that tunes into this is on the personal people fan level with me with others goes for everybody try to be that way because i think the people that we look up to were that way so if they've set good examples on how to be and how to treat people i think we can all follow how because i don't think anybody has a bad word to say about john carpenter Wes craven toby hooper or george romero so if they can be anything, there can be inspiration as people how to act, not just an inspiration to the art that they made. Um, so with that said, I think you should tell your friends about this podcast. And uh, in my uh, humble opinion, since we're talking about humility and being humble, I think you should let me know if you've listened to this. And uh, I thank you. And you can find us on uh, Spotify find us on Apple Music, you can find us on Stitcher, wherever you can find a podcast, um, you can find us, the Heart Guide Media Podcast, and I thank you, I thank you all for the support that we've had, I know we are not as big or as formatted as other horror movie podcasts, and that's fine, I don't want to be that, I'm not trying to come here with a, you know, looking super professional. I just want to be myself and I want my friends and people that are going to be a part of this podcast to be themselves. And, uh, if you like it, great. If you don't, I really don't care. Um, it's for us. It's for fans alike. And, uh, with this, I'm going to leave you with a a piece of Wes Craven, uh, Wes, uh, of a Wes Craven, uh, discussion, just hearing him talk always engaged me and inspired me. So, If you haven't listened to any of his conversations or his discussions or his interviews, I urge you all and implore you all to do so because the man was uh, unlike any other. Um, And I really do think uh, whenever the man talked, he was to be listened and appreciated uh, for his intelligence above all. So I thank you. There will be more episodes. I'm going to commit right now and say I will do this weekly. Um, and this is, uh, this is the start. This is the beginning. So I hope you all enjoy, um, what's to come in this episode.